Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are breaking down the Tuesday, November 14th slate of college basketball DFS. We've got a big time 10 game slate happening tonight, and we're going to break down all the games, go over all the best plays and the guys that we want to target for our lineups, and hopefully help you make some cash along the way. It is a really juicy slate. We've got the Champions Classic going on with uh, Kansas taking on Kentucky, Duke taking on Michigan State. We've got the Gavit tip-off games where there's some Big Ten versus Big East games. We've got some other kind of random assorted games, but it's going to be a really good slate, really fun slate, and we're going to go over all the plays here for you. Now, if you are new to the podcast, if you are new to the YouTube channel, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You'll be notified when all of our episodes drop. Um, we are currently a four-sport podcast. We're going to be talking golf, NFL, college football, and college basketball. So if any of that interests you, make sure you hit that subscribe button. You'll be notified when all the episodes drop. And um, make sure you subscribe to the audio feed if you're watching on YouTube, because sometimes I'm just not able to get the full setup out and record and upload. Um, and so there's going to be some episodes that are going to be audio only. You can also also follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks if you know there's an episode that's audio only. We make sure to point it out on there as well. So um, that does it for the introduction. Um, let's go ahead and dive into the slate. Let's let's not waste any more time here talking. Let's go ahead and dive into it with the first game of the night, which is Wisconsin taking on Providence. <laughs> All right, so we're going to break down this slate kind of the same way that we broke down yesterday, where we are going to go game by game and kind of highlight the players and situations for each game that we want to target. It, you know, it makes it a lot easier to produce game stacks into your lineups as well. Yesterday, um, I kind of had success using a lot of the game stack and strategies. Uh, I 20 matched the quarter arcade and the dime time and was profitable in both. Um, and the only thing that kind of brought me down was I made two single entry lineups and put it in, in the two of the high fives on DraftKings, um, and neither of those were able to cash. But um, I do think that when you look at it on a game-by-game -game basis, you can kind of more clearly see how each player is going to reach their ceiling, and if they do reach their ceiling, who comes along with them on the ride um, for that ceiling. So let's go ahead and just kind of start with the first game, which is going to be Wisconsin versus Providence. Now, when we think of Wisconsin basketball, we think of a bunch of white guys um, and a bunch of very slow-paced, low-scoring games. That has not been the case with Wisconsin so far this season. They've actually been playing much faster than they have in years past under Greg Gard and Bo Ryan. This game is projected to be 76 to 74, according to KenPom.com. All the totals will be courtesy of KenPom.com and all the usage rates as well. Um, so for Wisconsin, AJ Storr, who is a transfer, has led the team in usage and shots through two games. Um, he has not been super efficient, though. He's taken 33 shots so far, and he's only made 13 of them. And he doesn't do much else outside of score. So if this game really gets going up and down, he could be a guy who could benefit from it. But I don't like the fact that you're getting a guy who all he does is score. Um, Outside of him, though, Stephen Crowell is their seven-footer. Um, he's their big guy, um, and I think he could really have a good game against Providence because Providence is pretty small down low. They play a very small ball lineup with Bryce Hopkins at the four, Josh Aduru at the five, who's not that big. Um, and so this could be a game where Stephen Crowell could really get going. Um, and then after that, you got Chucky Hepburn, who I think is the team's best player. Um, and I think he's the best player to target from a fantasy perspective. He's the most likely to benefit from the game turning into a shootout because he's a guy who's going to contribute via scoring. He can get you some rebounds as well. And he's probably going to be the team leader in assists. The Tennessee game, he had a decent like actual performance, but he didn't get to play his full minute load because he was in foul trouble. He ended that game with four fouls. So, um, well, I mean, he played 36 minutes, so I guess it didn't affect his minutes too much. But um I think that he would be the guy that I would want to target um, in, in this Wisconsin lineup. He would be the guy that I would want to target. 
yeah, I, I guess if he played 36 minutes, he wasn't in that much foul trouble, but he did end up with four fouls. So maybe he was playing a little more conservative. I don't know. But um, anyway, let's go ahead and flip to the other side and talk about Providence. So Bryce Hopkins, who gets the dual position eligibility, is their best player. Um, and the good news for Providence, though, is that their starting lineup they really play their starting five heavy minutes. Um, they've played all five starters over 60% of the minutes so far. And that starting five is Hopkins, Carter, Aduru, Gaines, and Pierre um, is their starting five. So those five guys are all going to play quite a lot. Bryce Hopkins has a 25% usage, which leads the team. And he really fills up the stat sheet. Um, he's going to get you a lot of points, a lot of rebounds. And last year, he even got you some assists as well. Um, and if he gets that double-double bonus, that's an instant three points on DraftKings that can help you out as well. He is probably going to be the most likely guy um, to, to have a good game on this Providence team, if I'm being honest. Now, Aduru is a guy that I do want to talk about. He was a very productive player at George Mason. Um, very big-time fantasy numbers at George Mason. He just hasn't really gotten going at Providence so far. He's only taken 13 shots so far, but he did flash the upside with 36.5 fantasy points against um, Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Um, and I do think he will have a little bit of an athleticism advantage down low on Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell. So um, I do think he would be a guy that has a chance to have a ceiling game as well. Devin Carter is kind of their ball dominant guard. Um, but really with Providence, I really probably wouldn't target these guys that much outside of a, like a game stack of this game. And I would not target anybody on Providence outside of that starting five of Hopkins, Carter, Aduru, Pierre, and Gaines. Game number two of the night is probably the best of the night. It's Duke taking on Michigan State. It's projected to be Duke 70 to 68. Um, neither of these teams play at a super fast tempo. And the problem is that a lot of both these teams play a lot of guys in their rotation. So it's going to be super hard to predict where the fantasy scoring is going to come from. However, with Duke, the one thing that is certain is no matter who's on the floor, Kyle Filipowski is going to be getting the ball in his hands. He leads the team in usage rate and he leads the team in total shots. He has taken 32 shots so far this season. He's been pretty efficient doing it, making 20 of them. And you look at his game log too. He's been pretty productive in both games so far this season. He has one game of 4.5 times value and one game of 3.9 times value. And, and remember, in college basketball DFS, four times value is that mark that you're shooting for. If a guy doesn't get to four times value, he's a little bit of a disappointment. Um, and so he's definitely got the ability to get to four times value. Um, and I would definitely kind of think that this game would mirror the Arizona game for Duke where it's going to be a close game. It's a game that they're going to be desperately wanting to win and get on their resume. Um, so they're going to be pulling out all the stops and that means getting the ball to their big fella, um, Kyle Filipowski. The other guy on Duke that I would be targeting is Jared McCain. So if you listen to this podcast last year, because last year it was just a podcast. It wasn't on YouTube. Um, I routinely said to bet on talent. So in other words, the guys that are the five-star freshmen that maybe aren't playing a whole lot of minutes or maybe aren't getting a whole lot of usage, bet on that talent long-term to give you some big-time performances. And we got some good games out of guys like Dariq Whitehead and Derek Lively on Duke, among others in college basketball, just because long term, eventually that talent is going to win out and get them more minutes and have them a productive game because those guys are guys that are going to be able to put the ball in the hoop, right? And Jared McCain is a guy that I'm willing to bet on the talent with. He had 26.5 fantasy points against Arizona in 29 minutes. That's almost a fantasy point per minute, which is really good for a guard. He contributes in ways other than scoring. In that game, he had nine, five, four, and three steals. So you're getting a guy that isn't dependent on scoring to have a good fantasy game. And he's just probably going to be one of the most talented guys on the floor. I really like Jared McCain. He's probably the guy that I would be most likely to play on this Duke roster. Only $5,600 on DraftKings. Now for Michigan State, they are really t 
tough to predict. Um, I would prioritize when you're looking at their two games, the box score from the James Madison game, that was an overtime game, so maybe the numbers are a little inflated, but it was a close game. It wasn't a blowout. It was getting ended up actually being really good when it wasn't supposed to be. And in that game, Tyson Walker was absolutely fantastic. 56.75 fancy points, um, 35 points, five rebounds, three assists, six steals, took 26 shots in that game. Um, and I'm not that concerned about this, the Southern Indiana game in game two where he was really poor. Um, I mean, he was efficient from the field, but he didn't play his full minutes load, didn't score like he normally does, only 16 fancy points. I'm not worried about that performance because apparently after the James Madison game, he like tweaked his ankle or something like that and was not full strength heading into Southern Indiana. So they just didn't give him as much run as they normally do. But if you're looking at that first game, Tyson Walker was the clear team leader in usage, significantly higher than Hogarth or Aikens. Um, and so he would be the guy that I would think would have the ball in his hands for Michigan State today. Now, if he doesn't, it would be because of A.J. Hogard. Last year, A.J. Hogard was this team's best player. He was their highest usage player last year. Um, so does Hogard eventually take that role back over from Tyson Walker? I do not know, but tonight would be a good night to do it considering they're going up against the best competition they played all year. Now, Hall and Sissoko, Malik Hall and Maddie Sissoko, I think are both not bad plays, but the problem is, is they don't play a whole lot of minutes. Um, they are both very productive per minute players. Um, Malik Hall in his last game, 22 minutes, 20 fantasy points. Um, and then you got Matty Sissoko, um, who so far this season has been playing 21 and 20 minutes and 10 and 24 fantasy points. So you're looking at two guys that, you know, in limited minutes are productive. But the problem is that Tom Izzo never seems to want to play a big man more than like 25 minutes. So uh, you're just really not looking at a situation where either of those guys can be big time until they're going to play more minutes. Game number three of the night is Colgate versus Syracuse. And I think this is a very juicy game to target. It's projected Syracuse 81 to 76. So if you haven't watched any of Colgate in the last three years, under this head coach that they've had, they've been very successful in the Patriot League. They play this very up-tempo style. They take a lot of threes, and they try to just run and gun you to death, which really works in that league when they're the better team. It does not work against Power 5 competition. Well, I guess Power 6 competition in college basketball. Um, and every time they've played a Power Conference team, they've given up 80 or 90 points. Um, so definitely a situation we can target with Syracuse taking on this style is going to be facing an up-tempo matchup. They're going to have plenty of opportunities to put up fantasy points. Now for the Orange, Judah Mintz is their highest usage player. Um, I don't mind him, but I don't really think that he's a guy that can get to a very legitimate ceiling at, at his price tag. Um, you know, you're looking at so far, he's had performances of 34 and 39 fantasy points. Um, so I just see it being very tough for him to reach his you know ceiling and get like a 50 to 60 fantasy point game um I, I, don't, I don't see that happening so he's not one of my favorite plays even though he is probably a pretty solid cash game play because i think he has a solid floor jj starling is the syracuse guard i would want to target though um performances of 21.25 34.75 fantasy points so far he's taken 28 shots so far this season which is only two less than judah mintz and jj starling gives you more in the rebounds and assist categories than judah mintz does so i think you're getting a guy that 
um, should be seeing similar production to Judah Mintz and is not priced similarly to Judah Mintz. So JJ Starling is a guy that I like a lot. You've also got Justin Taylor and Quadir Copeland as kind of the secondary guards that I think are a little bit of misprices. Um, Justin Taylor so far, you know, hasn't been under 27 fantasy points in a game. He's only $5,000. And then Quadir Copeland sitting down there in the 3K range um, had a very big game against New Hampshire. Not as big of a game against Canisius, but, you know, he's sitting there at only $3,800. He's definitely not um, a bad play at that price tag. Naheem McLeod is their big, who is very interesting. He's like seven foot four. He doesn't move all that well, so he doesn't play a whole lot of minutes, but he's a very productive per minute player. Against Canisius, 18 minutes, almost 30 fantasy points. So if you ever get a full minute load out of Naheem McLeod, he's probably going to give you a very big game. And this is a game where he would have a size mismatch down low against the Orange. Side note with how Colgate plays, Colgate takes a lot of threes. So I think that actually helps the guards rebounding for Syracuse because we know that Syracuse plays that 2-3 zone and long shots tend to turn into long rebounds. So I would tend to think that this will be a game where the guards for Syracuse can contribute even more to the rebounding because they're already going to be out there on the perimeter. Now for Colgate, um, they are a very interesting team. Um, they pretty much run everything through their big man Keegan Records and, and their top guard Braden Smith. Um, they don't really have that big of a sample size to go off of, though. They've only played one game, and it was a very close game. I would probably, if I'm targeting this Colgate team, keep it to those two. Um, definitely Louis Jock down here is a guy who looks like a bit of a misprice. Um, he had a very efficient shooting night, 28 minutes, uh, 23 fantasy points against Brown. Um, definitely a guy that you could target as well at only $3,500. Um, but there's not a whole lot of other guys on this Colgate roster that I'm super intrigued in. Now, Marquette at Illinois is shaping up to be a pretty solid game as well. Um, it's projected to be Illinois, 73 to 72. Illinois has played a very deep rotation so far. It makes them very hard to predict. And DraftKings hasn't really adjusted from what their rotation has done. Like you've got guys priced to $8,000 and $7,000 that haven't done squats so far this season. So um, in terms of targeting their guys, it makes it a little bit harder on DraftKings with those salary just not being very good. Terrence Shannon Jr. is their highest usage player. He's the guy that I would want to target. Last year, we, we saw him have some really big performances, um, especially in big time games like this one projects to be. Coleman Hawkins is the same way. I think they're their two best offensive players. Um, and Coleman Hawkins had a triple double last year. So you're getting two guys in those two that if you choose to target this game, those two have a very high ceiling. And I'm probably staying away from the orange otherwise until that rotation gets a little more ironed out. Now for Marquette, everything revolves around this Tyra Kolek injury. So Tyra Kolek is their point guard. He makes everything go. He left the Ryder game 20 minutes in after suffering an ankle injury. I did not return to that game. So we do not know what his status is going to be for this one. Everything with this Marquette team revolves around that injury. Um, if he is injured and misses this game. It's going to be a big time boost for Cam Jones, um, who had 47 fantasy points in that Ryder game. Um, and some of it was after um, Tyra Kolick left the game. And then you're also going to see a beneficiary boost from Sean Jones, who's probably going to play more minutes. Um, and then Stevie Mitchell and Chase Ross are the other two guards that would probably play more minutes as well. Um, I also love targeting Oso Iguodaro. Um, I think his usage could probably be a little bit better if um, Tyra Kolek is out. Marquette has not been pushed in a game so far this season, so he's only attempted 14 shots, but he's made 10 of them. He's had at least 29 fantasy points in both games, and at only $7,800, that's a very affordable price tag for a very good player in Oso Iguodaro. 
Now, Texas A&M versus SMU is next on the docket. It's projected to be Texas A&M 74 to 67. Um, Wade Taylor is Texas A&M's massive leader in usage rate, 34% in their two games so far, which is huge. Um, and he's been in between 33 and 36 fantasy points in both. So with that big usage rate, like, where's the ceiling? Like, I, I don't really like get playing him in a whole lot of lineups just because he's a guy who's been getting all of the shots and all the usage, and he hasn't really done a whole lot with it so far in terms of fantasy scoring. Um, now, the one thing I will say about Texas A&M, this is a big-time tempo up game from, for them. They're currently ranked 344th in tempo, which is bad. SMU is 42, so um, this is a big-time pace-up game for them. They're going to be getting more shots and more possessions than they normally do. Hayden Hefner is an interesting play for the Aggies as well, averaging 18 fantasy points so far, but it's one game of 27 and a half, one game of eight and a half. But he's a guy who starts. He's a pretty solid player in that starting lineup. He's not going to have a huge usage rate, but he's going to be out there on the floor for big time minutes at only $3,500 on DraftKings. And then Henry Coleman had a huge game against Ohio State, 38 fantasy points, but that's not normally what he does. Um, he didn't really have a whole lot of those last season. So if you want to try to go back to the well and get one more big game out of him, knock yourself out. But I'm going to kind of wait and see um, if he can do that again, you know, before I go back to him. SMU plays at a fast tempo, and they're a team that is going to be really interesting to evaluate. Zurich Phelps is their best player, leads the team in usage. Their second game against Western, Western Illinois, um, a lot of people got irritated because they just kind of um, put them on the bench. Like um, they were trying to prove a point that they weren't happy with what he was doing. They classified it as disciplinary reasons. Um, so I don't think you have to worry about that again. He came back against Lamar and started and played 25 minutes. Um, and so I think that his numbers are actually deflated from what they normally would be. Um, but DraftKings hasn't deflated his salary from what it normally would be. So you're paying a lot of price tag for a guy who's going to have a big time usage rate. If SMU wants to compete in this game, it's going to be because they're getting the ball to Zurich Phelps. Tyreek Smith has also been really solid so far this season. Doesn't play a whole lot of minutes, but he's had two 30 fantasy point performances, and he's averaging about a fantasy point and a half per minute, which is kind of insane. It's a really almost unsustainable pace, but if he keeps doing it, he's going to be a pretty productive play at $7,600. And then BJ Edwards is another guy that I want to mention. Um, he would be the beneficiary of the Zurich Phelps shenanigans. Um, he had 42 fantasy points in that Western Illinois game. Um, so if you want to play this game at all, you want to play the SMU side, and you're not playing Zurich Phelps, BJ Edwards might be the guy who would be beneficiary if Zurich Phelps is struggling. All right, that is half of the slate. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather, and then let's break down the second half. Now, before I get to game six on the slate, I just want to go over, there's a few ways that you can get more information from me. First off, you can follow me on X at Mike's Money Picks. Um, I try to tweet out the DFS rundown every day for college basketball, just going over some of my favorite categories um, and plays that fit those categories for each day. Um, and then also, if there's any breaking injury news that changes my opinions from what I say on here, um, then that is where I'm going to post those. I also kind of give any updates on any episodes, if they're um, audio only on YouTube, whatever. So just follow me on there. You'll be getting all the updates. Um, and then I also am in the Fantasy Corner Discord. There's a lot of smart people in there that play a lot of different DFS sports. Link is in the description, and there's some really good discussion that happens in there, especially in the college basketball channel. Um, and if you play college football, college basketball, NBA, DFS, it's a really good place to be. A lot of smart people bounce a lot of ideas off each other. I highly recommend it. Link is in the description on YouTube and on the audio feed. And then also, I do write a full slate article on my Patreon for every college basketball, college football, and NFL slate. Um, basically, I break down my core plays. I break 
down my strategy for how I'm attacking the slate um, and just kind of give like an overall plan of attack for each DFS slate. Um, it's only $3 a month um, to, to read those. Um, somebody wise once told me once, don't write for free. So, so um, there is a small price tag on those. Um, I'm not going to promise you like instantly winning GPPs from those, but I do think that it will help you become a better DFS player because you'll get um, some core plays, but also, you know, some strategy and how to approach lineup building for each and every slate. Also, if you're looking to do something new this college basketball season, head on over to signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. They will give you the best offers and promo codes for any DFS, player prop, and sportsbook site. It also shows me some support by using my landing page as well um, as a you know bigger part of the Sign Up Expert family. Um, and basically, it'll also sync to your location. So you know whatever's legal in your state or province will, will, is what's going to show up on there. So January 1st, when sports betting is legal in North Carolina, where I live, I'm going to be instantly heading there to get all the best offers and promo codes. So um, just make sure you check that out if you want to try something new. All right, now let's go ahead and head on over to game six. So I am very much looking forward to talking about this slate. Um, more on that when we get to the UNCG side of things. But let's go ahead and talk about the Vanderbilt side. So Vanderbilt is the favorite in this game, um, but they are a very intriguing team so far this season. They're projected to win this game 71 to 68. They have been kind of a mess without their point guard, Tyron Lawrence. They've switched up their starting lineup. They've kind of switched up who is their ball dominant players. They, they just haven't really um, gelled yet as a team without their point guard, Tyron Lawrence in action. I don't know if he plays this game or not, but if he is out, um, Ezra Magnon is a guy that you can definitely target. 32.9 fantasy points so far. Had a higher usage rate so far this year than he had last season because of that injury to Tyron Lawrence. Um, and then Colin Smith is another guy that you can target. Um, he's the only other guy other than Magnon who has played higher than 60% of the minutes. Other than that, it's been a really revolving door. Who else is on the floor um, outside of those two guys? Now, Paul Lewis has been second on the team in usage so far. Um, he has not played a whole lot of minutes. He's played 23 minutes in each game. He's given you a solid 16 fantasy points a game and only $3,400. That's not a bad play. Um, my one word of caution is that he did start game one and then came off the bench game two. So maybe did he do something to come off the bench? I don't know. Was it just Jerry Stack? I was trying to figure out his rotation. I don't know. But only $3,400. It doesn't cost a whole lot to find out. Now, I'm very much looking forward to talking to this UNCG team. So first off, they um, put up 94 points in game one against North Carolina A&T. Um, Mikhail Brown-Jones is pretty solid. He is their big. Um, he had 14 and 13 in that game, only five for 12 from the field. I think he could be a little, a little bit more efficient than that number. He led the team in usage. He's only $5,400 on DraftKings. He is a very solid um, player to target. And there are other two starters. Atwell um, and Breath are both targetable as well. Um, they were both very efficient in their um, shots in that game against NCA and T. Um, I think that both of those guys are guys that you can definitely put into your starting lineup and they're going to win. Um, not going to win. They're going to play big time minutes. But the two guys that I want to talk about are the Langley twins, Keyshawn and Kobe. So I've been super like pumped up to talk about this because these two guys actually graduated from the same high school I did. Um, they won two basketball state championships at you know the high school I graduated from. They're like um, 
their family is kind of like legendary at my high school because they had four brothers that all played there and they were all very good. Their older brother, Cam, played at North Carolina A&T um, and he actually coached basketball with me last season. Um, their their entire family is really good people. These two kids are really good kids, um, um, very easy to root for, very nice guys. Um, but from a DFS perspective, they've gotten a real chance to do some big things this year. They've kind of waited their time at UNCG uh, and been kind of supplementary players to guys like Isaiah Miller over the last few years and now it's kind of their team their fifth year seniors um and they are both in play however which one do you play Keyshawn and Kobe because both of their games are pretty similar if you were to just watch them play pickup but how they play in like actual college action is a little bit different Keyshawn is more of a scorer um you know he had 12 points seven boards in game one uh Kobe is more of a distributor um he had 10 points 11 or 11 points 10 assists in game one 36 fantasy points Kobe is also the better defender of the two he was actually top 10 in the nation in steal rate last year um, and he's also gotten himself a few steals already in that first game against NCA&T um, so I think both of the Langley twins are in play they love to play off of each other so I think you can actually play both of them in a lineup um, if you end up watching this game you have to pay close attention to which Langley twin it is that you have in your lineup and which one you want to do well but I think that both of them are in play um, I have no problem playing both of them together I have no problem playing just one of them um, I think that when you look at this UNCG team um, the Langley Langley Twins are in play, Brown Jones is in play, uh, and then Breath and um, the other starter, Breath and Atwell, are in play also. Um, so I really don't I, I don't mind getting to these UNCG guys just because I feel like they're mispriced, and I feel like they're in a situation where all the starters are going to play big-time minutes because they really want to win this game against Vanderbilt. Um, I, I would really love to see this, this UNCG team find its way in the NCAA tournament this year. It's like a 13 seed or maybe a 14 seed and, and shock somebody. I, I really do think they have the potential to do that. Next up, you have one of the games of the night, Kentucky at Kansas. So um, this is the second game in the Champions Classic, so it might end up starting later than 9-15, as these games tend to do. It's projected to be Kansas 76-72. Kansas is a, on paper, decent team to target in DFS because they are 56th in tempo so far and 5th in assist rate. Um, but the problem is, is that they play a lot of guys and they're not really super consistent as to who does the scoring outside of two guys. And those two guys are Hunter Dickinson, who's a Michigan transfer who is always going to be in play because he just seems to always have good performances. They're going to run their offense through him out of the post. Um, and then Kevin McCullough Jr. is a guy that I like to target as well. Last year, he put up a lot of peripheral stats with rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. This year, he is still doing that and he's also scoring more. So it's a really good combination to put up a lot of fantasy points when you've got a guy who contributes in all facets of his game. Now on the Kentucky side, I am not that interested in all these Kentucky guys. I think they're trying to figure out their rotation here at this point. Um, but they're a team where you can choose to go ahead and bet on talent, right? So Wagner and Edwards are two talented freshmen who haven't really done a whole lot so far, but they also haven't really been tested so far. So um, if you end up seeing, you know, Kentucky get tested, does it lead to a higher usage rate from Justin Edwards and DJ Wagner? I think that's a big time possibility. Their best player so far has been Rob Dillingham, um, who has averaged about 30 fantasy points per game. Um, he's been over 26 fantasy points in both games. So pretty much five times value for his current salary in both games. I think he's a guy who's probably going to be the most popular guy out of this Kentucky team. Um, and he's probably the guy that I would be the most interested in playing. Um, Trey Mitchell is really their only big. Um, so I don't really, 
I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really like targeting Trey Mitchell in DFS. He's super inconsistent. He's super enigmatic. You never know when he's going to get you 20 and 10 or, you know, four and three and, and four fouls. Um, but he is kind of their only big man. They're really depending on him a lot to stay out of foul trouble and get some rebounds, which also, if he's playing the game and trying not to foul, I think that plays into Hunter Dickinson's hands to have a bigger night. Um, but he is really a guy that you could target just because, um, you know, just for the opportunity, like he's going to have to play a lot of minutes. He's going to have to play well if they want to win this game, taking on Hunter Dickinson in Kansas. Second to last game of the night is Iowa versus Creighton. And this one is projected to really get up and down. It's projected to be 84 to 75. Um, I know I got some Iowa fans out there that watch the show that, you know, I joke about Iowa's football offense, but their basketball offense is legit. This is a team that you can target. This is a game that you can really target. It's projected to be the highest scoring game of the night. Now, the departure of Ryan Nemhard for Creighton has really opened the door for Trey Alexander. He's become a much higher usage player. He now sits at 27%. Um, had 47 fancy points in their last game against North Dakota State. Um, I think that he's a very solid, solid target, even at the price tag of $8,800. Um, he's a much better player, much more fantasy better player than he was last year. Baylor Shireman, though, is a guy who still leads the team in usage. However, it hasn't really like gone anywhere. Like he's had performances of 29 and 33.75 fantasy points, but he hasn't really like done a whole lot with that usage, right? We would want to see bigger fantasy point totals out of the guy who is leading the team in usage. Maybe if this is a game that's getting up and down, maybe could he end up with more fantasy points? I think it's a possibility. He's only played 24 and 20 minutes in those two games. So if he keeps up the same per minute rates, he might end up being a pretty solid play. But at $9,100, he's pretty darn expensive to try to find that out. Now, Creighton is also a team that they play their starting five heavy minutes. They do not play much of a bench at all. So their entire starting five of Shireman, Alexander, Kalkbrenner, Ashworth, and Miller, they're all five in play. And you can just kind of pick and choose how you want to attack this game from different angles by playing those guys. Kalkbrenner is their big. Last year, we made a lot of money off of targeting bigs taking on Iowa down low. But that was because they had Philip Rebratza, who's not there anymore. So maybe Iowa might be better defending bigs now. But that was a very profitable matchup last year for um, pretty much all the DFS teams. Um, for Iowa, they played a very fast tempo. They have not been pushed in a game yet, so we don't really know what their usage is going to look like in a game where they are, you know, really like contending, trying to win. But Sanford and Cricky have been their two guys so far. Sanford has been the leading scorer, averaging 19 and 10 and a half. It kind of appears like Sanford is the new Chris and Keegan Murray, um, just based off of what they've done from their their offense and what they've done from a statistical standpoint. Um, but he is up there at $7,500, so you're going to have to pay a lot to find that out. Cricky is a transfer um, who has been pretty solid so far, like in terms of his efficiency numbers, but kind of like what we were saying with the Creighton guys, he hasn't played a full minute load yet. So if he keeps up his same per minute numbers, he can end up being a really solid play. This is why I think that this game could be very targetable and end up giving you a big time ceiling game because a lot of these guys haven't played, you know, north of 25 minutes in a game just yet. Tony Perkins is a guy who had some really big games last year. I was really high on this guy last week. I mean, he kind of let me down just a little bit, only 25 fancy points in that first game. Um, but 
he's a guy who had some big games last year. Like I'm talking 40, 50 fantasy points. Um, so he is a guy that may be in a game where I was getting pushed. Maybe he could give you one of those big time performances because of what he's done so far this season. I don't think a lot of people are going to be on him. Um, and then that Iowa also had a surprise starter at point guard. Dezonte Bowen um, was not projected to start at the start of the season, but he started the first game against North Dakota, ended up with 27.5 fantasy points. Um, and so maybe he's a guy you could turn to at only $3,700 if you want to attack this game from a value play standpoint. Last game of the night, and I think it's not going to be a super popular game to target, is UC Irvine at USC. Um, USC is projected to win this one 83-68 per Ken Palm. This is the most lopsided game of the day on Ken Palm, and everything for USC is going to be dependent on Kobe Johnson's injury. Um, he was a surprise scratch their last game um, against Cal State Bakerfield. He was in sweats and warmups, didn't really appear to be hurt, but just wasn't playing. We never really got like definitive news out of it. Um, and so he was also a late scratch. So like it really killed a lot of lineups, killed one of my lineups because because I was driving, I was on the road when, when he got scratched. Um, so um, I don't really know what to make of this team from a DFS standpoint because we don't know what's going to happen with the Kobe Johnson injury. And you're not going to have any opportunities to late swap if he gets declared out late or if he gets declared in late. So I think they're very difficult to target for that reason. But if Kobe Johnson is out, Collier is going to see a big time usage boost. And then in the game that Kobe Johnson missed last Thursday, um, Harrison Hornery and uh, Amari or Isaiah Sellers, Harrison Hornery and Isaiah Sellers, those were the two guys who had big time games um, in Kobe Johnson's absence. Sellers had 28 fantasy points. Um, Hornery ended up with um, 16.75 fantasy points only on 19 minutes. Um, so I think those guys would be targetable if we do get news that Kobe Johnson is going to continue to miss. UC Irvine is um, not like a super targetable team, but all their guys are cheap. Um, so their entire starting five is going to kind of be in play, um, especially if you want some options late at night. Um, their starting five is Tillis, Luketon, Hone, Henry and Crockerell, that is the order of their usage rates. Um, so I do think that all five of those guys are in play. They're a fairly balanced team. So you don't know who is going to end up like having a big time performances. Um, I think USC is a team that's vulnerable to the guard position that we've seen already early this season with Tyler Perry of Kansas State having a big time game against them. So if you wanna target their ball dominant guards, you can go with Justin Hone, who had a 28 fantasy point performance in their last game. You could also go with um, Henry, um, Andre Henry, um, who had 30 fancy point performance in their last game. Um, both those guys, I think, are targetable at their current price tag, and they would give you an option that if you're trying to chase down, you know, a slate at the very end, um, you know, you could kind of see that. You always love to play guys in the last game of the night just because you give yourself that opportunity to get some more points uh, and move up that leaderboard. All right, that does it for the Tuesday, November 14th college basketball slate. Uh, remember, if you want more from me, follow me on Twitter or X at Mike's Money Picks. Join the Fancy Corner Discord. A lot of great discussion in there. Full articles on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. We will be back later this week for more college basketball, but I'm, I can't guarantee that it will be on YouTube. It might be on audio form just because, hey, I've got a lot going on. Sometimes I don't get to break out the full setup. We will also be breaking down college basketball tomorrow, or I'm sorry, college football tomorrow morning. So make sure you are subscribed. You'll be notified when that episode drops and you can get the college football preview. 
All right, so that does it for this episode. Hopefully giving you guys plenty of information that is going to help you build the winning lineup for tonight. Um, hopefully gonna help you guys win some money in college basketball DFS tonight. A lot of solid contests on DraftKings for tonight. Better contest selection than, than, than previously. I mentioned yesterday that I'm generally a pretty small stakes player, but when the tournaments that are like, you know, $5, $7, $4 entries when they end up looking pretty good in terms of their prize pool and how they break down. That's when I end up playing those. And tonight's a night that I'm probably going to be playing a lot because I do think the DraftKings went all out on their contest tonight. And I'm going to show them that they need to keep going all out on their contest by helping them fill them. So, um, Anyway, that's all we got for the slate tonight. Um, best of luck to you guys in all your DFS endeavors. Um, thank you guys for watching and listening, and I will see you next time.